Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 105, preparing for a real in-flight emergency, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is Carl Valeri, and I'm joined with my Av Geek co-host this evening. Uh, we're minus Victoria. Victoria Zyko couldn't make it this evening, which is sad because she had some really cool things to talk about. We can't wait to do that in the next episode. Gosh, you know, we haven't all gotten together in a while. It's uh, It's been so many interviews, and uh, the, Rick did a wonderful job, by the way, hosting the other night. It was, that was awesome, Rick. I really appreciate thank you. that. Well, thank you. That was fun. Tough, tough shoes to fill, Carl. <laughs> I don't know about that. And Rick, you, you know, welcome. Um, Rick's up in the, yeah. the the cold, what I call the cold northeast. It's less than seventy degrees. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is the fall, but it, there's times where it's starting to remind me that winter's coming for sure. Yeah. We had we had wood delivered today, so that'll. <laughs> Larry, Larry probably Ooh. knows what I'm talking about. Well, speaking of wood, I was I was actually flying by Norwood the other day, and I, I said, ah. hey, I waved to Rick on the way down. I kind of figured out where where you yeah. were, and I, I waved to you there. So yeah. uh, and I don't know if you saw me or anything. But, yeah, it's right by the Blue yeah. Hills. I was yes. I was up in the Blue Hills as you waved. Probably. Oh, wow. Yeah, was, it's yeah. so pretty out there. So yeah. pretty out there. Well, uh, well, welcome, Rick. And, and Larry Overstreet is joining us this evening. Larry, welcome. Thanks. And uh, you are still in... The Midwest? Where are you today? I am in Milwaukee. Milwaukee. You are in Milwaukee. I thought you were traveling somewhere today for some reason. Uh, but uh, better tell, you, tell your wife you're not on the road today. I thought you were on the road, but uh, that's cool. Uh, I just got back about 15 minutes ago. Ah, cool, cool. And uh, good. Glad to have you. We also have with us Eric Crump. Eric, welcome. What's happening, people? And also Sean Moody. Sean's uh, joining us this evening. Sean, welcome. Good evening. Good to be here. And another special guest, one we've had on before and has been on a couple of times and live, too, is Tom Frick. Tom, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. And, uh, well, before we get going this evening, we have a lot of really cool topics to talk about, so uh, I want to kind of get right into this. It's, uh, it's you know, one of the things I want to talk about is this first. Number one, I've someone told me this the other day, and I've never, ever thought of myself this way. And I'd love to hear if anybody else here thinks of themselves that way and if our listeners do. You know, someone said, oh, you're, you're that av geek that has that show. And I was like, av geek? You know, I've never really thought of myself that way, but I thought about it for a little bit. And, oh, my God, it, 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 the shoe fits, wear it. Yes, I, I am coming out. I am an Av Geek, and, and I, <laughs> I will admit that I am an Av Geek. And, and so that's one of the reasons I put that hashtag on. We did put a twi- tweet out today. Uh, I truly kind of geek out when it does come to aviation. And uh, just to give you an idea how geeky I am, I brought approach plates to the bar today. 
when I was having dinner and I'm going through approach plates <laughs> and my wife shows up nice. and she says, no, you're not. <laughs> she <laughs> says, you are putting those away. Cause we had, we had a guest showing up. who's also a real kind of an av geek also. And, uh, and she's like, no, sorry about the heat. She's like, you, you better put those, those away. We're not talking airplanes and approaches. I was like, Oh no, hon, you got to check this out. And, and, uh, you know how the, the final approach fix, it's pretty neat what it's called. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no, let's, let's put that stuff away. So, um, but yeah, I, I think what's, What's interesting is, as I was thinking about this this evening, when I, you know, my wife and I were discussing this, I said, you know, honestly, I kind of think that we all are, and those that are listening are pretty much av geeks, and you know, Eric and Sean and Larry and and Tom and Rick, they're they're kind of av geeks, and that's okay. Uh, you know, there's computer geeks, there's av geeks, and that's us, and uh, so we we really, really love love talking about airplanes and, and really enjoy it. But uh, but anyway, you know. Carl, I was I was uh, coming home tonight, and I don't know how many people listen to NPR out there, but um, uh, in our market anyway, after the normal news, they played the show called Marketplace with Kai Rizdahl, and he even referenced himself as being an aviation geek tonight um, because he was talking about watching uh, the Pope's flight on FlightAware. Oh, cool. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you don't have to fly airplanes to be an av geek. There are actually many more av geeks than there are pilots, I think, out there. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, we could probably, there's a testament to that. There's a great podcast called Airplane Geeks. And uh, you can tell by their, their numbers that they really they have a lot of listeners. And there's a lot of folks that just love airplanes. And, and I do too. Let's do the pre flight. Moving on, uh, we have a couple of announcements before we get into our main topic. We've got some really cool things to talk about in our main topic here. So uh, let me let me f- first start with uh, Eric Crump has a really, really cool announcement. I'm very excited for you, Eric. Go ahead. What is your announcement this evening? Well, you know, Carl and I were actually arguing before we started tonight about who had the best day today. Um, <laughs> and, I, 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 you know, what? the listeners can decide. We'll let the listeners decide in, uh, in comments and feedback whether I had the best day or whether Carl had the best day. Um, but uh, I think I've got the home field advantage because I get to go first with my announcement. But anyway, that's fine. Um, we had a, a, just a tremendous day today in, uh, in, in the awesome uh, career field that I have that is Polk State Aerospace. I, I, Carl and I feel the same way about our jobs and that we, we don't really go to work. We, we go do that thing we enjoy and they pay us for it, and that's really cool. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, um, our our big news today is that uh, we had a big signing uh, cer- celebration ceremony uh, with uh, ExpressJet. Polk State College has entered their airline pilot pathway program, and our AP3 for short. And uh, that particular agreement gives our students, our graduates, preferential uh, interviewing and hiring at the airline. Um, and more than just hiring, this agreement also allows us to share curriculum in both directions um, and allows us to actually train our graduates, well, I guess our students before they graduate, on exactly what to expect operations-wise, procedures-wise, and airplane-wise uh, before they ever make it uh, to the airline. So this is a tremendous benefit for our students. It's a huge shot in the arm um, for our program, which you know, is relatively young. I mean, we're, you know, three years old <laughs> as a as a program. And uh, this kind of validation for us is huge. And we just absolutely had a great day with the team from ExpressJet. They stuck around and had lunch with us and a bunch of the students, and it was just a great conversation. And uh, um, I actually, I uh, we posted on Facebook today that it was the best day ever. And I, I it so far, it falls into that category. It is the best day ever. It's and, cool. I just looking at those pictures now on Facebook. It looks looks it looks looks great. Very cool. 
we had a blast. And you know, this is huge. I mean, think about it. Express Jet is the largest regional airline. I mean, that's that's ginormous. And uh, that's it says something about what Eric has done at the college. You know, Eric came along and had this different way of thinking and, uh, you know, kind of disrupted the whole aviation education marketplace. And he uh, has, has gone forward leaps and bounds and has been able to put together this program that, that not only trains uh, pilots and gets them their certificates and, and degrees, but does a really good job of it. So hats off to you there, Eric. I think that's a I appreciate that, that's Carl. terrific. And it's it's not false humility. I, I legitimately mean this. Um, the only reason this has worked is because of the support we have at the college. Actually, the, the article uh, will we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But um, the article uh, goes into um, a discussion about all the people who work in this program, and it's certainly not me. I mean, I, I, I get the joy of having my hands in all parts of it, but from our president, Dr. Eileen Holden, to our board of trustees, to our advisory board for the program, to our staff, our faculty, our industry supporters, our community partners, and then ultimately our students. I tell the students all the time, we put a huge uh, responsibility of the day-to-day operation of this program on you. And we tell the students at NDOC every, every year, everybody's a crew member here. And when we say one crew, we really mean one crew. Everybody has a different role. They do different things, but we work on the same team. And um, I, I couldn't do what I do without the students who, who are really hands-on, day-to-day um, operating in the program. They're not just you know, bystanders, just have, we're pumping information into their brain. Um, they are, they are you know, bending over, pushing with the shoulder, and really, really pushing this program along. And, um, and I couldn't be more proud of, uh, of the people I get to work with every day. It's pretty amazing. And that includes Carl, who also contributes a ton to what we do. So thank you. Oh, thanks. It's actually a lot of fun, and I think that's one of the reasons people want to contribute. Everybody that's at the school, they're having a having a blast, and uh, I think uh, that's a testament to you. And and you know, I applaud you for your efforts, not just uh, in what you've done and the physical work and and the work you've done uh, in getting everything together, but also the fact that you took this leadership role with this college. And uh, I'll be honest with you, there there are a lot of people out there that said, there's no way this is going to make it. Uh, and I've talked to those naysayers and I'm like, guys, it's, it's happened. And, and, and Eric has actually done it. And, uh, it just shocks people when I tell them that there is a state school in Florida that has a bachelor's, uh, in aviation. And it's the only one. Uh, and it's the first one. And it's right here in central Florida at Polk state college. Uh, they say, really? It isn't one of those others, and they name off a whole bunch of others. I said, nope, no, and uh, and then I start talking price, and they they're just just flabbergasted. They can't <laughs> believe it's a third of the price of the other ones, which is which yeah. is terrific. I can't tell you how many people you know that I talked to about when I was considering this job. Who you know, like you don't really want to do that, do you? I mean, that that's I, I don't know that that's the right thing to do. <laughs> um, and we've we've talked about this before about you know all the negative voices in your life and. Carl's theory of negativity. Um, those voices tend to be really, really loud. And um, I don't know, there was something about it from the very beginning. The first time I looked at this program, I just said, this, I, I can do this. I can make a difference here. And, um, and I have, I'm not saying it's not hard work. And there aren't days when I go, man, this is really, really tough. But um, I, I legitimately love every minute of it. 
and it's it's a lot of fun. And today is just one of those things, one of those culmination days where you sit back and go, three years of work validated in you know three hours. I mean, literally, it just didn't matter. No matter anything I had had to go through and anything our our staff have had to go through over the last three years, this today totally made up for all of it. You know, Eric, I've seen all the challenges that you've been through and, and made it past, and and I know this isn't a, in a show about that, but gosh, you, you know, you must have had the support not just of of the faculty and the students, et cetera, but you, you know, how did you do this? Did your family, uh, your family must have supported you? Yeah, it's it's really incredible, actually. My family has been behind, you know, whatever I wanted to do. I mean. I decided when I was, I don't know, six or seven, I was going to be an astronaut. My family's like, absolutely, you know, go for it. And then, you know, I realized on my own that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, um, you know, and they've, they've always been incredibly supportive from, you know, helping me start and earn my private certificate before I ever went to college in the first place. And um, it, I'll be honest with you, I, I love seeing this kind of thing and, and it's it's making its way into local media now. It's all over Facebook and that makes me really happy. But I'll be really honest with you, getting a call from my mom and dad today to, and them telling me that they were really proud of that 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 was better than the, than the than the media coverage, to be honest with you. It's a huge deal to me. Um they're incredibly supportive. They always have been. That's awesome, dude. And I, I, I can understand why they're so proud of you. As a matter of fact, I've always rooted for the underdog, and I thought that Eric was truly the underdog in this situation and trying to build a program. As a matter of fact, Eric, you know, even now, uh, you know, you have this this flight team uh, that's just been formed at the college, and and they're struggling. They're trying. Obviously, I'm coaching the team, but you know, getting ready for the regionals, and and a lot of people don't realize it. They don't have any money that's given to them, or much money, I should say, at all, given from the college, and they're out there just. They're getting just working hard trying to get donations. As a matter of fact, to tell you what, we're going to put up on our website uh, the Polk State flight team and uh, at Stuck Mike Avcast in the right column. Click on that if you want to help support a team at a college that's really changing lives. Uh, just go there and click on that. If you can give a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, that'd be wonderful. Uh, but they're trying to make it to the regionals, and and I know they're the underdogs, and but they're going to make it. We're, they're they're going to make it there, Eric. I know we can do it. There is not. There's literally nothing I would put past my students. And yeah. <laughs> every time I think, well, you know, I don't know if that's going to work out. That I, I've given up giving up on them. <laughs> it's no, a, no, just don't do it. Because anytime you you have any doubt that it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and, and it'll happen th- thirty times more intense than what you thought it was going to. And I know the <laughs> captain of the team's freaking out about this. And I said to him, "Listen, don't worry. It'll we'll, we'll do it. Just have faith. We got to have faith and move forward." So, uh, but anyway, I'm glad we spent a little time on this announcement. I'm really proud of you, Eric, and uh, I'd love to hear feedback from from the uh, listeners about this. And any congratulatory remarks, please send them on, on Twitter at StuckMikeAvcast or or send it to contact at StuckMikeAvcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, well, thanks. Sorry to sorry to hijack the announcements portion. No, but I, wanted, but I really want to win this. Who had the best day contest? So. <laughs> <laughs> now it's your turn. <laughs> well, now it's my turn. I have this incredible announcement going up against that. I am now current single engine. Woo! Crickets. Yeah, see? See? <laughs> now, who can beat that? That's it. I mean, yeah, that was that was it. That was tell us about it. Yeah. What, what airplane? <laughs> actually, what I was well, well. Actually, this gets to another announcement. I'm I'm getting there. I was able to. Uh, I got my single engine currency because, uh, for those of you out there, you really should get involved in the wings program, the FA safety program. I know I'm a lead representative here in the the Tampa FISDO. It's a program where you can stay current and also 
gain your wings. Wings are pretty cool because it's you get a little plaque and you also have you know a certificate you can hang on your wall. But it also counts as your flight review. So I also not just got my wings, got current a single engine. Uh, I got my flight review completed today by completing a level of the wings. Uh, it's basically three three different uh, ground lessons and three different flight lessons. Uh, it's uh, in their credits. So you can get those credits by attending seminars, and you also can get those credits by doing online seminars and online courses. But then you have to go fly with a flight instructor and uh, and get your flights in. The flights are, are three different credits, but they don't have to take three hours like they used to be. It's just, you know, you get it done when you get it done. It's just like a check ride, and you use the practical test standards as, as your standard during that check ride. Well, what was really cool about this is I got to fly over my house today and take pictures. That was really neat. But drumroll, please, I got to have my wings credit validated, plus my flight review completed by the one and only... Tom Frick. Tom ah, Frick. Oh, and, yeah, cool. very nice. And the reason being is because Tom Frick is now, as of just a couple weeks ago, a certified flight instructor. Congratulations, Tom. Awesome. Congrats. Congratulations, yeah, Tom. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I've, I've been a busy boy this summer. <laughs> you sure have. Yes, yes. Commercial, you got the well, you got the instrument, the commercial, and the CFI. And that's incredible. I mean, just tell us a little bit about that that process, uh, Tom. It, it it was pretty nerve wracking. To, to give you an idea, his 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 check ride took quite a bit longer than most. Uh, it took a few hours, didn't it? Um, I believe the entire day was eleven and a half hours. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. Was, uh, the, yep. the the oral portion was nine hours. The flight portion was two and a half hours, and I was I was pretty tired at the end of the day, no doubt. Wow. So, so you went up to this examiner, and you had a you had a book. This I'm assuming with the FA, right? Um, indeed. I uh, here in the Tampa FISDO, uh, they dole out um, uh, CFI check rides to uh, designated pilot examiners. Uh, the the um, uh, local inspectors don't do the check rides in this FISDO for whatever reason. Um, their busyness uh, elsewhere. So uh, yeah, I was assigned to DP and and uh, went and flew with him. Well, cool. And, and then you, you did this oral exam, you did the flight portion, it took you 11 and a half hours. You must have been wiped out. What an accomplishment. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, was. it was. It was a long day. So let me ask you this. You've had a couple of students, right? And, uh, and of course, you had, had and as, as a matter of fact, this happened today. So, so let, go ahead. You can, you can put it out there. How did I do? Um, you know, I, I, was, I was truly, I was... Um, I don't know that I was worried. I was concerned <laughs> for, for a moment. You know? You've been talking to Eric, haven't you? I, I, this I've is been why I don't fly with him, Tom. Well, you should he, have called me and well, said, see, Eric, I'm a, supposed to fly with Carl. Is this a good idea? And I would have said, Tom, take out an insurance rider. Right, um, you know, right. Love on the people that you love, and, and you might come back. You might not. Well, you know, it's funny because being a, being a fan of the Stuck Mike Avcast, I have heard um, scuttlebutt about flying with airline pilots in small aircraft. And that, that concern did cause but, – but Carl did great. I mean um, he's, a, he's a true aviator and, and, and we had fun today. We, we went out. We, we, um, we did uh, the program through the Winx program. We did uh, follow all of the um, necessary elements of that flight review today and, and he did good. He was uh, concerned about how he would uh, – come down to uh, and flare out at a runway um, since he flies such a larger aircraft but um, he did fine there as well um, it, was, it was truly a pleasure to fly with him today 
You know, he's being really kind, guys, actually. I mean, Tom, he did help me a little bit. I think uh, you, you did coach me a little on, on some of the landings. I know that because I really wanted to flare a little bit higher. So I had to <laughs> I had to think and think. And, and Tom did, did just a, a great job. But I could tell he was getting a little nervous when we were landing. And uh, you can tell them I was I was just beaded up with sweat every time we came in. It was just quite exciting uh, getting it down close to the running and, and landing in the aircraft. So it was it, that was neat. Indeed, I, I did comment on the on, on the amount of sweat because he was working. So um, there was no, there was no <laughs> doubt about that. He was working. Yeah, and, I, I tell you, I was I was more nervous about that than than trying to land on a, a short runway in an island. Uh, just trying to put it down on that runway and and trying to do a good job. So so Tom would say, "Hey, you're you're good to go." Well, that was one of his comments that that in the flight we were we were in a downwind, and I said, "Okay, well, let's that, uh, request a stop and go." And and that's when he really beat it up. And I said, "Carl, we have." 10,000 feet of runway. He says, only 10,000 feet? <laughs> you know? It takes three, Carl. We're okay. <laughs> so I was, I was a bit scared, actually, when he said that. And I was like, gosh, there's only 10,000 feet. And we did. We stopped. And what was funny is, and Tom will attest to this, I didn't want to stop all the way because I was like, there's no way we're going to get from a stop and go and actually take off. And he's like, no, no, stop the plane on the runway. He's like, stop. And I was like, okay, okay. And he even actually got on the brakes and stopped the plane. He says, that's a stop. Now let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was quite embarrassing. We, you know, I was like, you know, I, I here I am, I have a, a few hours, and and here I am so nervous about this. But if you, the other thing that was amazing to me is, you know, I'm used to climbing out at like three, four thousand feet per minute. When we took off, I mean, getting to four hundred feet before you turn was look took forever. I was like, holy smokes, I'm not going to be climbing that that much, am I? And uh, we got up to twenty five hundred feet and did some maneuvers which kind of scared me a little bit also, you know, thinking about a larger aircraft, you can't do anything at 2,500 feet. That's too, too close to the ground. Uh, but I will say one thing, it, it was very interesting going back to a six pack of instruments. You know, I hadn't seen that in a while. And, and I want to say this, if you're out there and you're an airline pilot listening and you don't think you can do it, get with an instructor and just tell them that, Hey, listen, I can do all the other stuff. I know I can, just help me with the landings and be patient with me because I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to flare really high and you're going to do it. Uh, and if you, you get a good instructor that's done, air, you know, been with airline pilots before, they'll be, they'll be patient with you. And then once you get the sight picture, boom, you're back to doing it again. So, and Carl, what was one of your big helps today? You mentioned it. We, we flew a low wing aircraft today and, that, and he said that was a big help being able to see the wings and flare out and, and see the ground and the wings at the same time. Yeah, honestly, that did help a little bit with Bert. You know, actually I could see the wings out the left uh, side and I could see how close I was to the ground. It was one another reason I wanted to go for a low wing. But we're going to try this in a high wing next time. But we're, Carl will have no visual cues like that. Uh, and the other thing that helped me too, I kind of concentrated on a point on the runway and try not to look down the runway because uh, I'm so used to you know starting my flare at least at 30 feet uh, and j just waited 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 and uh, that that's what helped a little bit there but uh, anyway so thanks well, as much thanks of a hard time as I give you Carl I beat sweat like crazy when I fly your airplane too so it it, <laughs> it <laughs> and I have no idea what I'm doing either so it's, it's really it's fair is the same <laughs> so so Tom asked me today is it as much work flying a small plane and he's i said well you know actually there's there's a lot more planning that goes is involved in a in a larger heavier plane uh but uh with that said you're you're still doing work i mean when you're flying but you have to be so patient 
when you're only doing 80 knots and 75 knots or whatever on final. And, uh, you know, that, that's the only thing that, that is different. You're sitting there, come on, are we going to land yet? Are we going to land yet? And, of course, Tom, first point, you did point out to me, Tom, uh, that not to fly a jet pattern next time when we go around the pattern. Uh, we were doing a cross-country on downwind, and he's like, Carl, you know, we can go back to the airport there. And so he said, take a left. So that was kind of interesting. So thanks, Tom, for reminding me of that. Uh, but exciting stuff. I think anybody who's an airline pilot should get out there and, and try flying a small plane again. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. You get to go fly over your house. We took some pictures. It just brought back the amazing excitement of aviation, getting to see my house from the air, getting to see the, the beach and the beautiful colors and, and how the, the sand turns from this white down to this aquamarine to this darker color uh, off the coast of, of uh, Florida. That was just that was so neat to, to be able to share that with, with Tom. And I was just I was giggling for a little while. I was so excited. So that was neat, Tom. Appreciate that. And again, congratulations on the CFI. Uh, thank you. Now entering cruise flight. Uh, our first topic actually has to do with an article that our friend Owens Up. Owens Up was on uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. Really super duper nice guy. Uh, wrote some a really neat article uh, in uh, in his blog, and it's called the, the pilotsblog.com. He talks about passenger evacuation uh, and the British Airways flight. 2276. Now, we're not going to talk airlines here. We want to relate certain instances of, of and accidents with airlines to general aviation and what we can learn. And, and I think one of the, the – he made a bunch of points about emergencies and, you know, the, the startle factor and things like that. But what, let's walk it backwards. I, I think the thing that stands out in my mind, and we'll put this picture up on our website, is the gentleman – that's walking out of this British Airways, I think it's a 777, with his baggage in his hand while smoke rises in the air behind him. Now, if you're if you're in an emergency situation, you, you don't, when you get out of the aircraft, and this is for us, we just leave things behind. We're gone. We're out of the airplane. Uh, I remember a gentleman, a Vietnam veteran, when I was learning how to fly off an island, he said to me, he says, you know, you really should put a flotation device near your, or, or on you. Because you're going to get out of the aircraft with just a few things and uh, and just whatever you're wearing, and he's right. Uh, but, you know, there's people that selfishly will turn around and start pulling stuff out of the airplane. That's not the thing to do. The thing is to get away from the aircraft and come back later and start pulling things out. So um, I don't know if anybody else has had any instances like that where there was a problem with an airplane or something like that. But I do remember just one, and I can ask you guys uh, to go afterwards, but there's a there was a gentleman that was flying an airplane, and we couldn't get the airplane to shut off. We turned the fuel selector off, and everything parked the airplane, and uh, the engine kept running. And uh, we were, like, really afraid there was going to be a fire. Well, we all walked away from the plane, and we were going to get some, uh, you know, got a mechanic in there and stuff like that. And then this guy goes in there and starts pulling this stuff out of the aircraft. He's like, gosh, you know, let's just stay away from the airplane until that engine shuts down, and then let's think about going back into it. Uh, and, and I think that's a, an important point is, you know, listen to the people and listen to the, you know, the, the pilot in command about evacuation and not bringing anything with you. As a matter of fact, Tom, uh, you showed me something today that was really interesting. Uh, we don't think of—I don't think we do a great job uh, as as general aviation pilots of, of briefing our passengers. Not—I don't mean verbally, but but in using some kind of a device, uh, a card or something like that. And Tom, you showed me something that you have, and, and where did where did you get that? It was like a—it was like a briefing card you'd see in an airline. Yeah, and it was—I'm um, trying to think if it came from one of the aircraft manufacturers. 
But it seems like we got it out of a book. We use them at the school that I'm at, and um, we, we keep them in all the books for all the aircrafts. And it's basically a, a, a briefing that you can do with a passenger. It tells you know, just a, a reminder card, if you will, you know, how to unlatch the doors, how to find the fire extinguisher, you know, how to, how to prepare for different parts of emergencies should we encounter them. And and I think that car was it the Civil Air Patrol that made that or somebody we're gonna find out by the way and we'll put it as a link at the Stuck Mike Avcast at the bottom of the show notes here, uh, but it's actually really cool and I would highly suggest anybody that flies with somebody to have that in their aircraft because you know I I was talking to my medical examiner and he actually had a, he'd done an emergency landing in the water and he said boy you know it all came down to training and it happened so quickly. That uh, you know, getting out of the aircraft was was a bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, it happened. It, there was there was no way where I was going to go get my bags or anything. The thing filled up with water right away. He landed in the bay here. Uh, but but one, on on this topic though, uh, what we want to do is segue into emergencies and emergency training. This is part of that emergency training is the evacuation, and and getting ready for what's going to happen after we land. You know, what we need to do, are, are we able to exit the aircraft, do we have fire extinguishers available, that type of thing. Uh, but the, the one thing we also want to talk about, and this is the, the one main topic uh, I want to speak about tonight, is are you prepared for an emergency? And think about that. You know, I want everybody that's listening to think about, are you prepared for an emergency? And what we're going to do is maybe talk about um, some of the instances in the past uh, with ourselves, you know, for us that have flown in, in emergencies we've had, and, and kind of go over, you know, what happens when you do have a real emergency, and, and what are those things that we use, and what tools do we normally use when we do have an emergency? And uh, the first person I wanted to start with is, uh, you know, I was, was going to start with my, my emergency, but I think, um, you know, Tom, you had an interesting emergency a, a little while back, and uh, it was it was quite exciting. So, so tell us if you could give us a little bit of background as to, to what happened and, and how you felt you did during this emergency. And it was, a, I think, an off-airport landing and, and what you may have learned from that, Tom. Yeah. Um, well, I was, uh, I was on final for an airport, was uh, coming into a, a base leg and uh, I lost the engine. Uh, it, it completely quit. And, uh, you know, at that point I was already at 800 feet by the time I went through to do whatever I could to make sure that that engine was not running anymore. And, uh, and once that sunk in, I was already descended down to about 600 feet and, uh, had to make some quick decisions and ended up, uh, landing the, uh, aircraft on, a on a road. Uh, I had to, I, I saw a stretch of road that was, uh, open, um, and free of power lines, which I was able to determine that as well. And, uh, the landing itself was, uh, other than it being on a road, on a ventful, um, I, I still had electrical power. I was able to slow the aircraft down. I put it on the road, um, used the last bit of inertia to taxi it off the road, and then uh, did the same thing, got out. You know, and uh, um, I, I, The whole process going through it, and, and I've, I've gone back over it in my head several times, and uh, you know, it, it comes down to the training. It really does. I mean, all of the training that I've done in aircraft over and over again, and you know, using emergency procedures, that's what took over. Um, you know, it was it was just immediately into my ABCs, and and you know, I got in an airspeed, and I found that best place to land, and really um, going through a checklist was just not to do at that time. I did get a chance to declare. I I, I told the tower what was going on because I was already in contact with them, and I finally executed the the landing. And you know, it was a I walked away from safe. Nothing on the ground got hurt. Nothing in me got hurt. And um, 
you know, it, it, uh, it is what it is. And, and I'm very grateful for the amount of training that, uh, that I received to do that. And I'm also grateful to know how I'll react in an emergency now. Well, let's go back to the, to the beginning of this emergency because you're sitting there in the airplane. I think you said, what, 800 feet, 600 feet, you're above the ground. And uh, so you're on approach to an airport. Uh, what ha- I mean, the engine, you pull the power back and the engine quits. How long did it take you to, to finally say, uh-oh, this is not good? It was pretty quick. I mean, you know, you, when, when you lose an engine, you can, it's, it's an audible thing. You could, I knew it right away. Um, it was playing with the throttle and, you know, and then just looking at everything, you know, I was changing tanks and I was, you know, making sure my mixture was still in and, and everything and, and everything was set up the way it was, you know, I'd already done all my pre-landing checklist, you know, carb heat was out and I'm, I'm coming in and, and once I verified there was no engine, you know, that's when, uh, it hit me that emergency procedures were warranted. And they, but but in the beginning though you you had probably um, and don't use the exact language that you used when you told me about it but uh, you said <laughs> some, you, you you were startled and and you had said some things to yourself I mean there were certain things in your mind that 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 happened and it happens when anybody has an emergency uh, or something that startles them you, you might sometimes you feel anger uh, what is it you felt and, and can you kind of describe what you said in certain terms. Yeah, um, the words that I used probably weren't pretty, and I, I, I was I was hoping that I could go back to like a, a live ATC to hear the transmission because I was afraid that my finger was still on the button when I was um, releasing a few expletives. Um, it, it, that was the first thing that hit my my brain. But then it was just you know, it was matter of fact at that point. You know, it's like okay, I know what to do here, and this is not the time to freak out, and it's time to just do what I got to do, and that's what I did. How long did it take you to get from that, you know, getting mad or whatever it is, uh, to actually start in the procedure? A couple seconds? Uh, I, I imagine so. You know, yeah. I mean, when I replayed in my mind, it was probably, you know, 20, 30 minutes, but, you know, it probably was pretty quick. <laughs> wow. But you, and now you said you, you could do some emergency procedures. Were you, were you able to te- take out a checklist or, you know, kind of give us an idea how fast this happened as far as, as, as a checklist is concerned? Or did you just do a flow, that type of thing, an emergency it, checklist in your, in your head? It was. It was just. It was just a flow. Um, there really wasn't time for a checklist at that point. I mean, I was descending fairly quickly. You know, I mean, at that point, I'm at a. I'm at a glide speed, so I, I trimmed it out to about 67 knots. I was in a Cessna 172, and and uh, um, started, you know, descending. I, I really had to make a decision of best place to land, and at that point, that's what I was doing: was aiming for that point and and just trying to get the ground uh, plane on the ground sli- safely. And you did a great job. And I think, you know, even the folks at the FAA had said that, uh, did a little research into this. And, uh, you know, everything you did was, was perfect. And, and uh, did, did they ever find out what happened? Uh, I don't know if you, you can relate that as far as what happened with the aircraft or, or you, you don't know. Um, I don't think it's conclusive yet. I mean, I have a, I have a good idea. Um, yeah. it, it was definitely it was a fuel flow issue, I believe. And, and um, you know, as far as what exactly it was, I'm not sure I know that yet. Well, sometimes uh, those fuel flow issues can go either way. They can either be too much or too little gas, and uh, and either either or can cause an engine to fail. Uh, so uh, a lot of people always think it's not enough gas getting to the engine. Sometimes it's too much. Uh, so who knows what happened there as far as pulling the power back? But I think I think that's terrific that, that you related that. It's um, but but I also want to know is what happened, and this is important because we're bringing up this article. What happened? After you got on the ground, you said you were able, you had enough inertia momentum to get get off this road that you were on. Um, then what did you do when you stopped the aircraft? 
I'll, at the time, I was still in contact with the tower where I was landing and, and uh, basically told them where I was. You know, I gave them the, the road I was on, the crossroad. Um, they said they would send out emergency vehicles. And I basically told them, I'm shutting everything down and getting out. And, and I did because I wasn't sure what had caused the problem. So I just I wanted out of the aircraft because um, you know, I didn't want to be in a little aluminum tube that was burning. I couldn't smell anything burning, but I, I, I knew it was a good idea to get out. And when I got out, that's what I did. I mean, I left all of my stuff and everything in there. It wasn't, uh, wasn't like I was worried about any worldly possessions. I just knew that getting away from that aircraft was probably a good idea at the time. Thank you for that. I mean, that's really the point here is just get out of the aircraft. Don't worry about anything that's in that aircraft. When you After you've finished your emergency, uh, now the biggest problem is getting out of the plane. What do I do next? Uh, you know, we've all heard those situations where, you know, someone's done a, a wonderful landing and, and wasn't able to get out of the aircraft and, and wasn't, uh, it wasn't successful after that. So, so that's terrific. I'm glad you were able to do that. Um, is there anything else afterwards that you had to do? I mean, um, any suggestions to people uh, as far as when they have su- such an instance uh, of this? Is there any type of reports that you have to file, et cetera? Um. I didn't really have to, you know, I, I, I did, um, you know, I did, did file a NASA report just because um, it was a good idea to, to fill that out. Um, there really wasn't, because there was no damage, um, it wasn't really considered an accident. Um, I'm not even sure that uh, it classified as an incident as I read the regulations, but, um, you know, still, still finding on that. So I don't know that I have any other reports that I need to file. Um, the FAA showed up on the site. They took a statement, and that was, that was about as far as that went. You know, Tom, as you've been talking, I'm getting a little nervous, to be honest with you. I'm, you know, a little tenseness in my in my shoulders thinking about this this situation. I'm sure other people that are listening are do the same, and and some of the co-hosts. And and I'm just just thinking that afterwards, I'm sure we keep replaying this through our minds as to how you did and what you did. And um, I think you did a terrific job. But what I'm wondering is, let's go back to your training, and I love Eric Crump to chime in here because he's he's part of an academic institution that teaches emergencies. Um, in in that emerg- in that training, how much training did you have in emergency procedures, and and how often did you go through them? Do you think percentage wise in your in your training? Ooh, I, I think I think it's different for the different ratings that I got. Um, you know, I know we did it. Um, you know, I, I probably spent maybe an hour or two in the process of getting my private. It seemed like uh, I, I did it maybe a little more in the process of the instrument, and even more so in the in the commercial and then the CFI. That was those were the times where, like you know, it was done constantly. I know when I was, uh, I can still remember getting my private pilot's license, and and um, you know, my my instructor at the time. We'd be in the pattern, and all of a sudden he'd reach over and he goes, "Oh, these darn engines!" And he'd he'd yank the power out on me and and have me land with no power on, you know. So um, I had done those over and over even before I got my private pilot license, and and that type of training continued throughout. Um, I don't know if I can put a percentage on it, but it was enough to where um, it was it was ingrained enough that I knew I, I just let my body take over when this happened, you know. I just knew what to do. Right, right. I know uh, with my students, I always tell them, where are you going to land right now? I want you to know at every second where you're going to turn and what direction. Uh, I wonder, you know, looking at, like, here we are talking one-on-one with instruction, but now you have this large institution like a Polk State College. I mean, how is it that uh, an institution like that figures out how to train people on emergencies? And is it the same as uh, individual training, I wonder, Eric? 
Well, that's an interesting question. Actually, when you were asking that, I, I got this big smile on my face because I was thinking about if you had asked any of our students that question, they would have all said, oh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's it's just like you said, it, every every second is the one second before the emergency, you know, um, the, the, the emergency doesn't, you know, open a little spot on the panel and come out and say, hey, just by the way, in about 26 minutes, um, you're going to lose your engine. So just, you know, take some time and think about what you're going to do. You got 26 minutes, but, you know, it, that's not how it works, obviously. Um, and every second is the second before an emergency happens. And if you have that mindset, I think you're, there, obviously, there's going to be a startle response. Every every amount of research that's ever been done on emergency situations, there's always a startle response. The amount of training that you have and your belief in the value of that training determines the the effect of that startle response on you. We we know this. This is this is scientifically proven. And you know, for us, like, and I love this idea of the the passenger briefing card. I, I've seen various versions of stuff like that. Um, we actually do it with a little kneeboard aid, um, and it's it's a two-step process really. There's the um, the the safety briefing before we ever start the airplane, and then there's the takeoff briefing before the airplane enters the runway environment. Um, and so we're going to talk about emergency exit, and this is something the student does every single flight, and even when the student flies solo, they're required. I mean, it's the honor system, but they're required to still go through that and announce those those key those cues. Uh, to themselves, um, and I will say, you know, um, while the our college program, thankfully, knock on wood, and cross your fingers and spit over your shoulder and all that, has has never had an emergency like this. We did have a partial power loss, um, uh, maybe a year and a half ago or something like that, and the entire reason that that worked out well without any event whatsoever, I honestly believe, is totally because of training. That that's how that happens. Um, and I think that you, you always have to be ready for that thing to happen. And, you know, from hearing Tom's story, I, I think that's a, it is absolutely a testament to the value of training and the, the difference that, that not only just getting the training, but I think that the, the key part is your attitude toward that training. Do you understand what you're training for and why it's important? Because if you do and you really believe it and you're really thinking about it and you're really conscious about it, I think that makes the difference between a, a survivable outcome and, in some cases, uh, an unsurvivable outcome. And uh, it's just a, it's a testament to, you know, what we call stick and rudder skills. You know, uh, just core pilot skills. Um, you spend there's the old joke. You spend five percent of your training learning to fly, ninety five percent learning to crash. And and I I think that's the way it should be. I think that's the way it should be. I think we should always be expecting the unexpected to happen. And if we are, then Yes, there's going to be a startle, um, but the effect that it has on us is is minimized because we're ready to handle the situation. You know, Eric, that brings up a good point. You're you're in academia, and Tom has gone through this whole process. But how about those folks uh, that are out there flying, and they've had their certificates for twenty years? Uh, it's it's really sometimes hard to go back and go over those emergency procedures. I will say, there's a gentleman I know that he has a twin-engine aircraft, and he goes through training every six months because he wants to be ready for, for an emergency. And he actually said one day he took off, he uh, lost an engine at 500 feet, 
uh, feathered it, came back around, landed, and he said it was just like nothing happened because I've been going over these emergency procedures so much. Uh, there's a lot of times with us as pilots, we just have a flight review every two years. And uh, what I fear is that maybe we don't go over those emergency procedures. Uh, maybe we do them in their head, we chair fly. I'm not sure because um, I'm doing so much training. I'd be curious to hear from some of the other folks um, what they do and, and what their experience is as far as, as getting ready for, for an emergency. Uh, I know, Larry, you're, you're not currently in the, in the training environment. Uh, do you actually go out and practice emergencies, procedures? Um, sometimes. Um, and I was just up with an instructor, oh, I don't know, a month and a half ago or so, um, just kind of doing a complete review just because I needed to. You know, I felt like it was a, a useful thing for me. Um, the thing about Tom that uh, I was waiting for him to hear, and then he said it, was setting that airspeed. Um, it, you know, because you hear so many uh, problems when people take off, you're trimmed for a climb, lose power, and, you know, then you're, you're just set up for a stall. Um, and so I'm really glad that this was on an approach where you're kind of trimmed for an approach and, and a descent instead of being trimmed for an ascent. But it was really uh, encouraging and interesting to me to hear that one of the first things he did was got himself, you know, trimmed for the right airspeed. And Larry, you had uh, you've become involved, and I think it's great that in certain aspects of aviation where you are always thinking about emergencies, but do you get involved in any of the other training things like the WINGS program or anything like that to keep yourself current? Yeah, you bet. Um, I am in the WINGS program, and uh, I've never used it in, uh, in lieu of a uh, flight review, uh, but I was just kind of looking over my, my activities that are listed there, and I've got a lot of activities that are related to our local uh, IMC clubs chapter, and then a few other activities that are related to other um, events that have happened kind of in my geography, all on the ground. Um, but with you guys talking about it, it got my uh, interest up here to uh, see which activities I needed to go do in the air, you know, just to kind of hit my, I'm, I guess I'm working on basic level, which isn't uh, too high, but uh, but it is fun. It's it's a good excuse to go out and, and uh, learn some things, hear, hear some uh, good presentations on emergency situations of all kinds. And, and Larry, I'm glad you brought that up. There's like these three different levels in the WINGS program. There's basic, advanced, and master. And, and if you have your instrument rating, uh, you can actually get the advanced level. And even the master level you can start working on. Uh, it's, it's really neat. You can use it in lieu of your flight review. As a matter of fact, if you want to, you could keep doing flight reviews over and over and over again. It just makes you a, a safer pilot. And they, it's proven that those folks that are involved in the WINGS program, like Tom Frick and, uh, and Larry, they're, they're not the ones that, that are the problem pilots. They're usually the ones that the outcomes are positive when they have an emergency. It's the folks that aren't involved as much that, that sometimes they, they have more, more issues with. And that's, uh, or it's proven they do have more issues uh, as far as outcomes. And, and so I would, I would really love to see a lot of people get involved with that. As a matter of fact, if you have any questions on the WINGS program, I know we've gone over it and this isn't an advertisement for it, but I am a lead rep sure here. And I, hey, <laughs> yeah, we make money on this. It's, it's, it's just a, such a neat, neat program, and I can't say enough about it. I've been doing it for since uh, 1999 and uh, been lecturing since 2000. And it's just so cool, Larry. I, I just love doing it. And uh, and like I said, if you have any questions, you can ask me. And I, I really wish everybody would get involved because I think it's helped 
a lot of people in dealing with emergencies because it gets you in the mindset of what am I going to do, what can go wrong, and how can I make myself a better pilot? I think that's super duper important. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and and if, if people out there haven't done any of these kinds of seminars, the, the last one I went to was uh, just about a week or so ago um, at our IMC club, uh, and it was called What? ATC Made a Mistake? <laughs> that's cool. And it was really interesting. It was taken from a real-life scenario, and you know, somebody at ATC just – I uh, handed off a pilot to a wrong tower on a wrong frequency, busy scenario, didn't think about it, you know, whatever. Um, and it left the pilot in kind of an awkward and potentially unsafe position. But one of the things that made that evening so nice uh, and so informative was that we had the uh, manager of the Madison, Wisconsin air traffic control, uh, you know, the tower and the approach control, um, there as part of it. You know, and so he could talk about it from his perspective and what uh, what kind of scenarios happen and what would be the you know the kind of uh, safety nets that that would uh, help prevent that. But mistakes happen. We're all human. And I think and so. If sorry, if, if if you haven't had a chance to go to something like this, you know, look at the events that are happening in your area. They're really good. They're really informative, um, and well worth the time to you know take a Saturday morning or a Tuesday night or whenever it is, and and uh, you know go brush up on some skills or go uh, brush up on some some knowledge that will help you stay safe. And, and I think, Larry, there's a lot of stuff out there that's uh, commercially driven that that actually can be used for the Wings program. For example, M Zero A. Uh, you have uh, the King Schools. Uh, there's lots of uh, was it uh, AOPA has them. Yeah, pilot uh, workshops, then, IFR mastery. Every yeah. Um, there's a lot of good material out there. What and, and a lot of it, uh, you know, some of it's chargeable, but uh, a lot of it's free. Yes. Yeah, and and the wings program is free, and and you know another cool thing about it, talking about Av Geeks, there's a lot of guys that come to the wings program that haven't flown in a few years, and what's what's really neat is I've seen it happen in a meeting, two people meet, one guy says, hey, listen, I always wanted to be a partner in an airplane, the other one says, oh yeah, me too, and and they finally they get together. As a matter of fact, at one of my meetings, they uh, two people got together, and now they're they're actually partners in an aircraft. So that's that's really that's cool. Great. So it's a, a it's camaraderie, it's safety, and and it's uh, it's a great way to get yourself ready for these emergency situations. So, but uh, gosh, you know, it, gosh, we've taken up a lot of time on emergencies. I wanted to get to to both uh, Sean and Rick, and uh, Sean, have have you had any any emergencies? I know you you've uh, have a little bit less time. Uh, anything that that was life threatening that you can talk about? No, never. Um, I, I've, I've been lucky thus far. I've got right around 300 hours, and, and most of those have been pretty uneventful. Um, you know, on the, the first solo cross country, you might you might think the engine sounds a little odd, uh, <laughs> but uh, but nothing nothing dramatic, not at all. This, the self-induced uh, engine roughness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. And, and uh, Rick, have you had any emergency situations that you can remember in the aircraft? And uh, if not, uh, and if you had, how is your training associated with that? Well, I mean, they. I would say the the big the the main answer is no, nothing nothing dangerous. Um, but and, and training was great, although it it always felt like it could have been more. You know, I guess I would say overall, there, I have that impression that that I could have. You know, trained more with someone, you know, with a, with a CFI more often, other than just you know nearing nearing uh, check rides and things. Um, but yeah, I had an interesting thing that happened. That's just it's sort of it was you know observationally important to me to, to note the way that it went down. But on my on my long cross country, um, I was documenting it a lot. So you know, I, I was in Groton, Connecticut, and um, 
you know, was walking around, took pictures of the plane just because I thought it was, you know, cool to be there and all that. And um, flew back to Norwood, landed, and there was a, um, and, you know, was tying down and putting things away. And I noticed a little dark trickle near the, uh, on the engine cowling of, flu- of some kind of fluid. And uh, brought that to the attention of, you know, the guys at the school. And it was, you know, it was oil and there had been a, um, I guess, a cylinder crack or the beginning of something involving mm. the cylinder. Something, mm. some, 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 something was going on. And it was there in the picture I took at Groton. But I hadn't, but I hadn't seen it, um, so it wasn't, it didn't cause a problem, actually. But it could have, and I should have seen it, and I didn't. Now I don't know what would have happened. I, I suppose it's possible I would have been driving back from Groton, but um, in hindsight, I would um, look a little more carefully at everything. <laughs> and and it was an interesting the way I was able to note that I should have seen it before, you know. So. Yeah. Did that uh, get you nervous next time going out there? And you did? Did um, you do really thorough no, briefly? <laughs> no, no, but. Um, no, but it was certainly, yeah, I certainly, you, every little step you take as you're learning, it seems like you, you learn more of what you should be paying attention to. And uh, that was just a good one for me. But no, in terms of, uh, you know, just it was good training. And I, I actually enjoyed with a CFI practicing in and outs and, and um, determining where to go and how to, how to get there. And then knowing that that should inform your thinking all the time. Um, it, it, it's good stuff. But as I said, I think I probably could should have done that more uh, and should still. And- and Rick, you know, you can speak on this. I, I kind of get nervous talking about these things because I don't want to scare people off. But there's, right. you know, we've talked about this before. Does, does any of this, yeah. has it slowed you in, in going back into aviation? Well, no, I mean, it, I, it is a thing for me. I think I, I find the, inter- the interesting thing about aviation, um, pers- you know, pr- sort of single, you know, single pilot aviation, to be the balance of concerning yourself about about mitigating the risks and being prepared for things with enjoying yourself. Mm. And um, sometimes I think for me, uh, the, the concern, the, the focus on, you know, being ready for, you know, mitigating risks and being ready for anything um, can cause you to forget how to have fun. And it's a tricky, for me, it's a trickier balance than maybe for others. I, I do see people who seem to be very carefree about it, but I wonder if maybe they're not being cautious enough. And, you know, and, and it, it's sort of, I find that an interesting sort of psychological um, talk, talking point at some point, you know, with, depending on who it is and what they're into. And I also think, you know, I was thinking about people hopping off of planes with all, the, all of their luggage and the idea of people having a lot of hours. And maybe, you know, there is, I, I think there's some reason to be cautious about getting comfortable um, in general with, with any of this so that, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, m- m- large plane aviation people don't get that they have to follow rules because it's gotten so easy and you hop on, nothing ever goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. And they forget why they have a seatbelt on, why they need to listen to this and that, you know, uh, and, and, and follow the rules. And the same thing may be true of, uh, you know, personal aviation where you get comfortable, the number, you know, with enough hours, if you aren't careful, um, you get too comfortable and you forget to focus on on the stuff that that'll that'll protect you when the wrong thing happens. So, just an observation. 
I think it's a brilliant observation. I tell you, Rick, that was a great uh, discussion there with uh, mitigating risk and uh, and enjoying yourself. Living the Balanced Life as a Pilot by Rick Felty. I think that's going to be a new book coming out. Uh, <laughs> I'll start writing right now. <laughs> you better start writing because I think it, that is a great analysis of it, Rick. And and uh, I tell you, it, it really has made me think a little bit about it, too. It's uh, you know, why do we do these things? Why do we go out there and, and, and risk, you know, our, our lives or our, or our safety? And it's because we, we love doing it. And, you, you know, I look at the, the things I got to see today from the air and the beautiful colors in, in my house from the air. And, and then I think about this, the other part of it, you know, where we're going out doing maneuvers and trying to mitigate risk and, and not hit anybody and that kind of thing. So uh, that, there's a big balance in, in aviation. And we constantly have to be doing that. And that makes it exciting, doesn't it? I think it does. Uh, but, Rick, thanks thanks so yeah, much for that, sure. that commentary. And Our Picks of the Week. Uh, gosh, you know, we're running a little bit long here tonight, but we could talk about emergencies, emergency procedures uh, ad infinitum. I mean, it, there's some really good stuff out here, but we really need to get to our next segment. And that's the Picks of the Week. And the reason being is we have some really cool Picks of the Week uh, this week. And there's some some really interesting information that we can glean from this. Uh, one of them I think is super-duper important if you're an instrument pilot and you're somebody who is is really not sure about logging. Uh, it's it's an information notice. And that's going to be uh, actually Eric Crump is uh, the Pick of the Week. Go ahead, Eric. Eric? No, he's here. He's here. Promise. Uh, I <laughs> I clicked the mute thing because I had to sneeze, and I forgot to unclick the mute thing. That's so, uh, note to chill, note to everyone: if you're going to be doing something on Skype, keep them, keep the thing muted when you sneeze. Just remember to unmute it afterward, <laughs> or you end up looking like me. Um, no, so my uh, my pick of the week is uh, actually an info that came out today. And if you don't know what an info is, the FA releases them from time to time. It's called information for operators because you know the FA loves acronyms. Um, and great website uh, on the FA subset of the FA's uh, website, which we'll have for you in the show notes. But you can search by year um, if you want to just look through and see what all infos are out. Um, and you can also click the nice little subscribe button, enter your email address, and it'll just pop an email to you every time a new info is released, which is how I found out this one came out today. And it's an absolutely outstanding article on a very commonly misunderstood thing. Uh, which is when you can log uh, instrument approach procedures. Uh, and your logbook is actually counting toward instrument currency. Um, and it's one of those things that a lot of people don't really understand. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're in visual conditions but you shoot an instrument approach by yourself, does that count? No. Um, if, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. And why are you doing that anyway? And um, number two, um, you know, it, it goes into everything from you know, flight instruction to safety pilots and everything. It's, it's a very good one. And if you're uh, one of those people who are out there right now and you're thinking, you know, I, I want to stay instrument current and I want to do that. Um, I don't want to necessarily have to do an IPC, an instrument proficiency check every year. I want to be able to maintain currency on a rolling basis. Um, you got to make sure that you, uh, you know how to uh, safely and legally log those required six approaches. So um, it's uh, it's 
common English, and it's designed to get information out to you. Uh, I'm talking about infos in general now, uh, to get information out to you for the purpose of um, you know clarifying an issue or something like that. You know, to hopefully keep you from one day ending up on the wrong side of uh, of an FA inquisition, um, because you you don't want to you know go for a um, uh, for an interview for a job or, or whatever it is, and you do the logbook audit, and they're like. So you shot an instrument approach, um, and you were not current at the. So were your instrument conditions? Well, no. Well, then it doesn't count as an instrument approach. So uh, it's just important to know those things, and I, 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 I think this is a really good one. So anyway, infos, information for operators, they're great. Go to the link and subscribe. And that information for operators is actually it's more geared towards airlines, but. But what's interesting is they talk a lot about instrument uh, knowledge. And when I was reading this notice, I was like, gosh, this is like something you could distribute amongst all of your instrument students. Uh, so don't let the part that says airline operators and airline safety um, steer you away from this because it's really, really good stuff. So you might, you might, you know, take that and say, oh, I don't need to read that. But yes, it's good. It's, it, it, you're doing the same thing. You're flying the same environment as all the airline pilots and, and this information affects you also. This, this is a really, really good uh, information notice. Uh, there's, there's also uh, stuff on training, like you said, and there's some really, really cool stuff out there. Thanks. And this one's three pages. I mean, yeah. we're not talking about, you know, a 30 page treatise on instrument approaches. It's three pages. It's outlined step by step. If this, than that it's a if even if you're an instrument pilot and you're pretty sure that you know all the rules or you're an instrument instructor out there this is one that you want to just go to just make sure just catch yourself up it's think about it like continuing education or current training um i read the whole thing um i mean i teach this stuff every day i read it anyway um and actually have already added this uh to our uh, our course materials for our cfi class it's one of those things you just you need to go back to it every once in a while so um anyway this is a good one and it's really important for logging your time and understanding what you can log as an instrument approach and what you can't log as an instrument approach. Uh, it's really, it, it's very simple, like you said, but very, very important to know. And, and the airlines, it's very important for them, too, because for their certifications, I mean, they have to know exactly uh, what approaches they've done and what they've actually logged. Uh, you know, some people ask me, do we ever log our approaches? And we sure do, especially when they're the RNP, the Required Navigational Performance approaches uh, we log a whole bunch of those so we can uh, further have those approaches in our databases in the future so we have to make sure that those are out there and uh, when we log them and everything so interesting stuff though I really really highly recommend folks getting those anyway move in thanks for that Eric we'll have the link to it uh, moving on to our next pick of the week I think Sean Moody you had an interesting pick of the week yeah, this is a uh, website called airporttag.com, and it's um, they sell all different uh, kinds of products, coasters, uh, throw pillows, T-shirts with different airport codes on them. Um, it's, it's really cool uh, for people who are kind of connoisseurs of different airports across the country, across the world. Um, they have a, a different T-shirt or, or pillow or poster for every airport that's got the code. And kind of a unique little color scheme and and sort of style for each one. Um, I think I just come across this. It was like a sponsored post on Facebook. I'd never heard of it, and it's uh, it's very cool. I recommend it for any. We were talking about Av Geeks earlier. It's kind of the the perfect little Av Geek product. But do they have approach plate plates? 
<laughs> I don't see any approach plate plates yet. I think we're still safe on that Okay, one. good. Got me a little nervous there, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Airpartag.com. Awesome. We'll we'll put that out there. Uh, thank, thanks for that one. Moving on to the next uh, pick of the week will be Larry. What is your pick of the week? Yeah. Uh, so I just started reading a book uh, recently called The Thinking Pilot's Flight Manual, or How to Survive Flying Little Airplanes and Have a Ball Doing It. And this is by uh, a flight instructor that I've listened to on a variety of podcasts over the years named Rick Durden. You guys may be familiar with him. Um, uh, just off the back here uh, of the book, it says, in a provocative and sometimes controversial style, this guide starts where standard issue flight training manuals leave off. The thinking pilot guides you through deep, uh, sorry, guides you deeply into topics that weren't taught in flight training. Everything from how to really do a pre-flight through keeping your passengers happy, scud running, precautionary landings, and how to survive a crash. It includes detailed uh, introductions to flying floats, skis, aerobatics, classic airplanes, and probes some of aviation's dirty little secrets, explains myths, and presents the best, most succinct guide to flying tailwheels tailwheel airplanes ever written and it was rec recommended to me by uh, a friend and flying uh, uh, flying buddy uh, and so far I'm just you know a little bit into it but I'm really enjoying it and I've always liked Rick Durden so that's my pick of the week and the name again the thinking pilots flight manual by Rick Durden is that is that an ebook also uh, I believe it is. Cool. I'm going out there and buying it today. That's awesome. Really good stuff. Thanks so much, Larry. I really, really appreciate that one. You bet. And uh, Tom, Tom Frick, what is your pick of the week? I don't know that I have one. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I, think, I think his pick of the week is going to be that uh, is the the safety uh, checklist for passengers, which I'm pretty sure that was done by the Civil Air Patrol. Uh, and we'll have to look that, that up. I was incredibly impressed by that, by the way, Tom. That was that was pretty cool when you showed me that. Pretty darn sure that's what the symbol was on there. So, but uh, but anyway, if uh, if that's that's it there, I have one uh, pick of the week that I was actually going to hopefully have Tom share with me. And uh, we talked about this the other day. It's the NASA Aviation Safety Reporting System. They have a really cool newsletter called Callback, but it's also uh, a way to actually report safety-related items. Whether you've been in an accident, incident, or you just want to report an item that actually is something that you think might be safety-related in any way. Maybe it's something, uh, a tree that's too tall at the end of the runway. It could be somebody leaving certain things security-wise near the edge of an airport. Whatever it may be, file a NASA ASRS report and also read that newsletter. That's It's really, really cool. And we'll have the link to that. I don't think there's a really simple link to it, um, but uh, I will try to find that. But it's under the FAA's Aviation Safety Reporting System. That's an easy way to find that one. Um, the last pick of the week, which I'm really excited about, and the reason I kept it to last is <laughs> is uh, it's something one of our own co-hosts has been doing, and and uh, I can't wait to see it. Rick Felty, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, I've get, been getting into trouble for the last six, six to nine months. Um, yeah, basically, um, by the time this podcast is out, I will have an app in the um, iOS App Store. I took a, I decided, I decided it was just something that I wanted to do to learn how to code uh, an app. So I took a, a Swift programming course, which is the the language that um, Apple sort of created to make it somewhat easier, although it's still not easy <laughs> to. Um, to write uh, iOS apps, and um, so I did that, and it was it was interesting and fun. And then it, it got to a point where, in the course, you're supposed to come up with a final project. And so um, what I've what I've got is uh, an app that comes that's actually as we record this, it's going to go live tomorrow. 
And uh, by the time you hear this, it will be live. It's called My Personal Weather Station. Uh, you can also find uh, it by looking up uh, My PW Station. Um, but we'll have it in the show notes. And uh, there is a website at either of those names, uh, mypwstation.com or my personal uh, web personalweatherstation.com um, and it's basically for, what I would say is it's for uh, weather geeks this is not an aviation uh, weather app um, but it is it is based on the weather underground uh, network of you know 100,000 plus uh, local hyper local weather stations and um it's a uh, it's a way to pull co- you know current data from very close proximity to where you are at any time. So it's got a um, GPS lookup for wherever the phone is to find the station closest to you, uh, as well as a list of stations uh, sort of you know discoverable by zip code, so you can you know sort of pick spots where you're going to go or whatever around the country. And there's a lot of great data. There's there's where, where stations have them. There are weather cameras associated with those stations. There's trend uh, charts for any. Um, for the, you know, the station you're looking at, as well as w- what the data is right now. Fairly detailed data. Um, and then there's a, a forecast page, as well as a, sort of a highs and lows, sort of an almanac page for the, for the station. And that's, and that's for every station you, uh, you call up. So it's pretty cool. And uh, I had fun doing it. And it's available uh, so, uh, now by the time you hear this. So check it out in the App Store. And uh, if you like it, you know, say something nice about it. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. Of course, we're all av geeks here, so weather is incredibly important to us. So I, I definitely want to yeah. go out there and check that thing out. Well, I also consider myself a weather geek, too. So congrats, yeah. Rick. I Thanks. mean, that's a huge undertaking. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with it myself. Yeah, it's really fun. I had, thank you very much. Yeah, that, that's a, you said nine months. Wow. And yeah, something, it, something like secret. that. Yeah, that's that's terrific. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure where it was going to end up, so, you know. <laughs> well, awesome, Rick. I, I appreciate that. And that was, uh, you know, it's I, I've done a lot of programming in the past, and I tell you, it's it's not easy, is it? You have to test it and make sure it's, yeah. you know, working properly. So it, I, you know, I like it, so it was fun, but it was it was patience, you know, slowly building knowledge about how to about how to do whatever. And, and, and uh, at some point, if anyone wants info, you can contact me directly about the course I took um, because I thought they, they did a very nice job of, uh, of facilitating things. And uh, there's a mentor involved. I mean, it's really a nice setup. So I wasn't doing it. I wasn't in a vacuum, you know. I was getting help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, guys, this, is, this has been a heck of a conversation this evening. It's really cool hanging out with you AvGeeks. And it's really, it's, it's so educational for me when I get to talk to you. And I'm sure for, for you listening right now, this has been a, quite an education, hopefully an inspiration too. I think, I think when, when you put it all together, we really need to think about what Rick said. You know, try to mitigate risk and, and balance between mitigating risk and enjoying yourself in aviation. And and I think we can do that. I think you should think about that. The other thing I'd, I'd like you to think about is, is this, and this is a big takeaway, is trying to do something between now and the next episode to actually move towards making yourself a safer pilot, whether it's going online, watching a video on YouTube, or something, getting involved in a course, getting involved in the WINGS program, that's fasafety.gov, and start doing the WINGS and getting your WINGS, go to a seminar, something. Please do something to make yourself a safe pilot. As we've we've heard from, from everybody here, what happens when you have an emergency, it all goes back to your training. So get out there with, a, with an instructor, chair fly, get in a simulator, practice those emergencies. Well, folks, we really appreciate you listening, and you know we'll talk to you next episode. And and please, safe flying. Try to do something today that'll move you forward and make you a safer pilot. Talk to you again next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. 
Members of the Stuck Mike Appcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.